همه از خدایی به سوی خدا برویم شکم کابوس تقیان به نگر هر سوی عالم چه رسد بر جان انسان با سارد فریادی تازه بزن همچون زیر تاق ظالم به شکم مردان شهر دعا یاران خون خدا منجی خود منتظر است امروز با ایم و شما دلگر ایمان دارم به خدا دل بسپارد می آید در میدان مردم بسیدان دل آگر می دانند به کجا برار کنند بر میدان سنگر 
beautiful. Welcome back okay. to the beautiful toilet. Uh, thanks for coming, Scott, at the last minute. It's been a while since I did an episode. I've been in a transition, but this is my first uh, my first sabbatical episode. I'm recording from Pennsylvania, so a little change of scenery never hurt anyone, I suppose. Anyway, Thank you uh, for having me. Yeah, this is uh, the, the past like week or so of uh, finding podcast guests has kind of been a comedy of errors uh, because uh, one guest ghosted me and then Finkelstein wants me to read his book or the chapter from his book and then we would talk about it on the podcast. So I have to like... The Obama chapter? Actually, yeah, yeah. So, so he wants me to read that and then we'll talk about it and I guess I have to like uh, take my time and like develop like serious critical feedback so yeah you can't approach that man without a really substantial thing to say about the obama chapter of all chapters yeah he he said verbatim to me that he prefers in-depth conversations so <laughs> that's so blunt and sick that that's yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah so uh spoiler alert i guess but yeah no i'm excited i hope that pans out well um and- and yeah, and then one of my other prospective guests got COVID and is kind of under the weather. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't have COVID, but I'm just like sick because I've been away for work for like the past five days, like not sleeping. And then I got home today at like 8 a.m. And uh, I had a, to do a presentation at like four that I I like slept until noon and then I got up and um, put it all together, but I'm just like in a fugue state right now. Mm-hmm. What kind of work were you doing? What's uh, what's the gig like? Uh, I went to, I went on like a mini tour type thing um, with, uh, I, I'll, I'll leave the band name out of it. So to, keep them out of this scandalous your scandalous shit yeah you don't um, you don't want that band associated with the perfume nationalist light yeah yeah. <laughs> um yeah it was two festivals in virginia like like virginia virginia um uh which was like the first one was fucked up but like like the band was fine and but just like the whole festival was just like fucked up and then the second one was uh ohio like outside of columbus um which was fil- it it takes place like at the shawshank prison like where they filmed that and um oh, but I interesting know, i didn't even know that was a real place yeah i that's what i didn't know either and i i just found that out and i was like oh that's that's pretty crazy that's like what that fucking castle is um but yeah the first one despite not being at a prison had like prison food like like for the artists like it was like prison quality food and um the one at the prison was very nice it was the complete opposite Um, so wait is it like still a prison or has it been converted Oh no! Yeah, it's a prison. It's like a federal prison. Oh, um, so the, so the artist elected to do a concert at a prison, like Johnny Cash, like. Uh, oh no! It's not for band. prisoners. I don't. Okay. I I was I was like, oh, the prisoners could probably hear the music. I mean, as far as I know, it's a it's a prison. Like it, it looks functional. There's like prison looking guards around and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like it's running, but it's literally right next to it. So. 
I'm curious, but I was like, it's it's probably pretty cool if you're like out in the yard and you could like see a festival going on or you know hear some hear some like metal bands and shit like that. Is this but, a band I would have heard of? Uh, based on the music that you listen to, probably not. But mm-hmm. they're cool. Like they're like a punk metal band, and I never saw them perform live but like my friends work for them and they were like yo we need a guy and it was like uh and it it was all cool like it was everyone was really cool it was a fun time but it's just like exhausting it's like all those like so many people in that world are like um like straight edge and vegan even if they're not like part of like that scene just because like it's it's so much stuff like you're just like constantly on the go moving like if you're in that mode it's like weeks and weeks at a time and it's just like doing drugs or drinking it's like it gets to be a lot really quick Mm -hmm. it's interesting Hmm. but yeah i have to like um i have to re uh reconvene myself and and sleep tomorrow sleep today and stuff um and uh it's my birthday today that's oh happy birthday sorry i didn't know i (laughs) didn't realize because i I think because i don't have you on facebook i always use Mm. facebook as my crutch for uh remembering people's birthday and i barely check it anymore which has resulted in some embarrassing omissions but yeah i'm not a big birthday person um i never have been uh i like other people's birthdays and i like getting like irrationally hyped for other people's birthdays um (laughs) but i uh like I got back today at like seven forty-five, and I was like, uh, I like looked at my phone before I went to bed, and I was like, oh, it's my birthday. And then oh, I like you know what you got for your slept. birthday? What? You, you got the bag. You were the bag? Uh, you were working hard for the bag. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, Did you get calls I, from anyone? Oh yeah, I got I got a bunch of like FaceTimes and text messages and stuff, and I I was just like not in the mood to deal with it because I'm like so out of it and exhausted. Uh, Uh But I, I, you know, I went on FaceTimes because it's fun, like put me in a good Uh mood. Um, But I'm going to like call, uh, you know, call some people tomorrow and, and, you know, stuff like that. Wow. Well, thanks for uh, stopping in the beautiful toilet on such a, such a short, um, what's the word? Just being so short of energy, I suppose. No, it's not even that I'm short energy. Like, I mean, my sleep schedule is just backwards at this point, so I'm going to be up all night. Like, and I'm I'm into it because, like, I've been doing that, like, the past couple of weeks I've been really, like, nocturnal, and I kind of moved away from it, but now I'm, like, kind of fully back into it, and, like, I like it. Because I'm, like, the stuff I'm doing right now, like, the stuff I'm working on is, like, lends itself to being uh, in a kind of, like like being in a like isolated kind of like mode where I don't even like feel like I'm like part of society uh, is a good place to be in for like, you know, certain kinds of work. I think. What are you working on other than your uh, professional career stuff? Um, I'm finishing up the book trailer for hollow nacelle. Um, and that's been that's been really cool it's coming together we have uh a collaboration a couple of collaborations actually that i will 
keep anonymous for now um but it's it's looking good um and i'm basically near the end of it so uh the the final product is is coming um and then i'm starting to film uh a short film with i think you met garth garth was uh Mm -hmm. he's like around yeah you know garth um so we're filming a short story that he wrote and uh we've been you know editing like i have we have a main actress and we have a couple other people um it's it's kind of like centered on the main character though so like the fact that we like locked down this girl and like she's into it and stuff like that's really the the primary thing so we're starting shooting oh is on, this uh, by chance the person you told me about from the party yeah i met her at that party yeah and it, it was really good it was very serendipitous that that happened um and, and it was completely unintentional like it was oh like, i guess it was worth it then oh yeah i mean that was a fun time in general but yeah that was like uh because i me and Garth both neglected to uh, take the opportunities that we had had to find actors and actresses. And then it kind of like, you know, just like ended up working out. So um, and she's she's really into it. Like, she's cool. Like, I've met up with her a couple times now. We've talked about it a lot. And like, you know, it's good. Um, so we're starting to shoot that. Like, I got a new camera and everything. Um, so we're going to start shooting that on Saturday and uh you know, it'll, it'll probably take a couple couple months, um, depending on everyone's schedules, and then the editing will be a thing. Uh, but I'm I'm excited for it. I'm into it. It's we're keeping it small, and everyone's got like a good amount of creative input. Um, like anyone who's involved. I mean, it's primarily us three at like the you know calling the shots level, but like we're open to people like keeping it like organic as as stupid as that word is like we're we're open to ideas that people have in the moment and uh you know we're, we're leaving a lot of it to feel out on the set and uh you know do it like that oh good i uh i've given a passing thought to adapting my poem uh, 24th december 2019 as a short film is that the uh, kanye just- yeah, yeah, the Kanye West poem. So you're going to hire Kanye? No, I would have to play Kanye West. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, keep keep going. It, it, I don't know. It's like uh, a would bit you, out of... How, how, would you, how would you play Kanye? Um, More or less as myself. Okay, so you wouldn't, like, put on a costume or... <laughs> I don't know. It's just, this sounds like a trap. Um... <laughs> I, I wouldn't do anything that uh, that Bell Hooks wouldn't approve of. It would be okay. It would be a conceptual piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Someone just like approaches me, like uh, you know, dressed like I normally dress or whatever. Like, oh, hello, Kanye. Will you sign my copy of Jesus is King? Yeah. And I say yes you know, because I I am Kanye West, and therefore I would be <laughs> the one to sign the copy of my own album. That's, I've had that thought. I remember in like junior high, I thought it would be so funny to like film a movie, but have completely incorrect actors and actresses at like, have like a grown 50 year old white dude playing like a six year old black girl and like, like just like completely flip the things, but have them act as if they were 
you know, the role that they're playing. But I mean, someone must have done that. Like someone has definitely has done that for like theater or something. Mm-hmm. At some well, point, honestly, but, like, like a lot of like uh, right wingers are so close minded and parochial and like literal about these things that like, you know, they just like flip their shit if they see like a black woman playing Cleopatra or something like or like a black Macbeth or something. It's just like or even yeah. like uh, Hamilton, like, you know, far be it from me to defend Hamilton, uh, <laughs> which I haven't seen. But, you know, uh notwithstanding the fact that it's about the founding fathers and they rap like the fact that they're played by black people isn't really that outrageous on the face of it right like it's not like they're telling you outright the founding fathers were black like yeah (laughs) yeah i guess that's literally what i'm talking about yeah and like uh i don't know like people are so literal minded about it but it's like it's art like you suspend disbelief about so many things like you know even like the Mishima movie, which is so great, like the uh, the Paul Schrader Yukio Mishima movie, it's like mm-hmm. the guy looks nothing like him. Like they just really just picked a Japanese man that was like fairly fit, and they call yeah. him Mishima. And it well, I mean that's you, yeah, you, lo- you get absorbed in it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was talk, I was having this conversation about the Queen movie, um, which I haven't seen, but I was told it's worth seeing. Um, and I, I, I really like Queen, um, and they had Remy Malik play Freddie Mercury, and, um, I, you know, they look similar. They look like mm-hmm. each other. Um, and Remy Malik, I, I don't know, I've never really seen him in stuff, so I don't really know, but the point that my friend I was talking to was making is that, um, like, he thought Remy Malik was, like, kind of, like, came off as like kind of self-conscious in a way that like Freddie Mercury apparently wasn't and that like that energy like basically they were gonna have Sasha Baron Cohen play Freddie Mercury and he was like oh I remember Sasha, that I remember yeah. when that was uh being speculated about yeah and and Sasha Baron Cohen is the type of guy who really could based on like the character he plays he really could um oh sorry uh i just uh you just cut out for a minute oh did i oh yeah right after you said sacha baron cohen oh yeah yeah i remember uh hearing about that when they were speculating about sacha baron cohen doing it yeah yeah so so like the the point my friend was making is that um sacha baron cohen is like the type of guy who, when he's in character, really goes, like, all out in the way that, like, he could play the energy of Freddie Mercury. So it's kind of unfortunate that uh, they didn't have him play, you know, Freddie Mercury. Um, Granted, I haven't seen the movie, but it's, uh, you know, it is weird casting, and I've been thinking about it more because I'm, like, casting people for this short film. Um, And granted, I'm not casting people to fulfill a a pre-existing role the way that you'd be you know doing freddie mercury or something like that but like there's so much you have to think about like there's like uh it's it's really crazy like the the idea of like physiognomy and stuff like that and what someone's physiognomy conveys and how people get 100 percent typecast into specific niches just based on the way they're you know perceived at face value or you know even the the like intonation of their voice and stuff like that so it's like it, it really is um it's just crazy you know so um what like roles has such a baron cohen done 
I know that they're they exist, but like, what roles has he done that aren't just like Borschfeld like racial characters? Uh, that like, was actually I actually don't know because I was like, has this guy like done movies that I feel that like I've like, seen comedy? him in like serious stuff for sure, but um, I can't think of any right now. Um, yeah, I mean, he's like I, so I'm like simul I'm like a little conflicted about the whole thing because I'm like, yeah, fuck that guy. Like, I don't like. You know, but I, I mean, I, I also respect, like, his, like, energy in a way, like, his, like, intensity. Um, I really don't know much about him, so I, uh-huh. I'm i hesitant to really say much about I mean, I him. I think but... he's good. Like, everyone likes Borat on some level, you know, even if they're too based for it. Like, they, they're basically, <laughs> like, denying their inner child if they say they don't like Borat, you know. But, yeah. you know, you can like it and like still acknowledge that it's just like oh yeah this is like the the russian gentile who's just like a stupid idiot villager and you know you look at bruno it's like oh yeah the the gay german gentile it's like you know you, you went nazi in world war Two. well now you're gay how do you like that like uh <laughs> The, uh, yeah, I never, Mus- I never saw the Muslim Bruno. Arab like uh, strongman dictator. Like, hmm. Yeah. Where have I seen this before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, like, I, with with all that said, like, uh, it's funny. Like, you can't deny it. You can't deny it's funny to see this guy going around America using the power of treachery to make people in the Rust Belt look bad. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any of that stuff, um, and I'm always a little hesitant because about, like, you know, things in that vein because it seems pandering and it seems kind of mean-spirited uh, out of context. Oh, so you haven't seen it. Borat? I've seen the first Borat. Does he do that? I thought it was all in, like, Kazakhstan or whatever. No, no, there's only, like, uh, like five minutes in Kazakhstan basically oh. like the introductory scene and it's like filmed in like a gypsy village in Romania because yeah. they just literally don't give a shit about how they portray uh outsiders yeah know? yeah yeah no yeah okay okay I think I saw Bor- like it was it was so like I don't know when that came out I was like a teenager or something I or maybe Maybe I was younger than a teenager. It, it just yeah, like, didn't really register in my I brain. Was, uh, like, what year was that? I would have been like eight years old at the time it came out. I think I watched it like several years later because okay. you know it was like one of those movies like that that you're not allowed that, to see. No, I mean I was allowed <laughs> to see it. My parents were pretty laissez-faire about what I would watch for the most part. Yeah, I was just talking to my mom earlier today about how she let me watch epic movie uh, when I was a kid. Like the slapstick parody oh, of like every movie that was yeah. out in two thousand and six, basically, yeah. and uh, she said, "I made a lot of mistakes." <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, same. My but... internet connection's unstable. I don't know if I'm gonna. It should be fine. Oh, I think shit. it's like raining out here. I don't know. Like, I... oh, I just saw lightning. I... We'll be fine. We'll be totally fine. I hear, I hear you just fine, and uh, okay. I guess the internet connection is, uh, or like your internal audio feed will record regardless of the internet. Oh, uh, that'll be fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, but um, but yeah, didn't you, the, the Mishima movie? Didn't you show that to the kids in the mosque? <laughs> yes, yes. That's uh, yeah. I guess that's our segue. Uh, <laughs> the uh, showing uh, Mishima life and 
four chapters to the Muslim homeschool students. Did you show them all four chapters? No, uh, I redacted the parts with naked people. Um, oh, so you showed them like that, that's the vast haram. majority. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, that is haram. I, yeah, I didn't want to show anything haram. I, you know, I wanted to be respectful of their uh, yeah. traditions and stuff. And, you know, I had to be pretty uh, adamant about setting up boundaries since they would uh, go out of their way to talk about uh, masturbation and stuff with me. So. Yeah, they were, they were, they were, they were just typical, like, middle schoolers. Like, it's, it's really funny that one of the funniest, like, dynamics about that place was, like, the fact that these were just, like, internet Zoomer kids. Like, I mean, they're probably different than even Zoomers, like, their Generation Alpha or whatever they're calling it now. No, no, I think they're Zoomers. I think they're, like, like, because I'm, like, the very earliest of Zoomers, and they're the very latest, which I think is, like, uh... (laughs) Part of what made it so interesting but um i guess uh before we go too far into the weeds of the mosque experience i should summarize yeah, yeah um so you're like a veteran of the islamic like turkish private education system in new york basically e- yeah, uh, I guess we shouldn't name specific corporations or whatever they're considered but right, um but yeah that was my first yeah, job case, out of college uh, in case uh, our Turkish friends are among my like twenty listeners, uh, among <laughs> your your rabid salivating um, cloying fan base, yeah. But um, I so yeah, you worked with a Turkish school for a while, and then one of your former students recruited you as you were en route to Oregon to come back to New York and design a curriculum that never manifested for these, like, helpless, like, Islamic students, most of whom are, for some reason, either, like, sub-Saharan African or Thai. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's... (laughs) So, yeah, the, um, you, you, before we get it twisted, it had nothing to do with a failure on my part. It was, I did all the work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just never purchased from me. It was never, it was never utilized. They, they essentially asked for one thing and then last minute flipped the script on me and went with a pre, pre-designed homeschool program. But yeah, I wasn't on the way to, or- well, I was about to go to Oregon. I was about to literally, my car was packed, like moving across the country, going tree just fell on the car got a new roof like ready to go and You're on your way to uh the capitol hill autonomous uh... <laughs> yeah actually i was like i'm going i'm gonna go like if i'm out there i'm gonna check that out and um then i got i was literally in astoria like technically like into my trip it was midnight and i was leaving the next morning at, like 7 a.m i was at my friend's place and i got a text at like midnight and it's like my former student and he's like hey we need someone to like run a school like and he's like do you know anyone and i was just like what like this was the beginning or no it was like five months into covid and like my job ceased to exist like they just like cut all the contracts and stuff and because it was freelance so they just they you know got rid of the freelancers they i think they sold the studio and everything like that so it was like i was like oh man like that's crazy and they i got on the phone with them at like midnight because they all stay up like really late um like the majority of my meetings with these people have taken place at like 1 a.m like they're just like chilling in the mosque like 
lights on, like just like hanging out, having a good time. And um, they, so I get this phone call and I talk to them and they give me like a price and you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, let me come by in the morning. So I postpone my trip a day and I go, they tell me all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh man, like that's crazy. Like maybe I should stay in New York. So I'm like, okay, I'll reverse the plans. I'm going to like figure this out. And I go up to Maine for a month. I do the hermit mode, which is literally a year from today. Like I had my last birthday up in Maine um, for a month and it was, I came back the 15th of September. So, um, um, I came back and, or I, I go up to Maine, whatever. And I, I build the curriculum. I spend like, you know, I spent like two, two 40 hour weeks on it. Like, you know, I, I built a substantial thing and, you know, I don't want to get into the minutia of it. And they wanted to see it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, here it is. Like, here's some of it. I'm not going to send you the whole thing because you didn't pay me for it yet. Like, that's how it works. But I'll sit there and describe it on the phone to you for hours and hours, like whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they ended up, uh, they were like wishy-washy about being in contact, whatever. And basically they went with another thing. And I was like, well, I'm in too deep at this point. Like, I, I'm just going to do the job, like whatever. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll be the teacher. And, um, and then I got you on board and, and right. then the rest <laughs> is history. Me with like no teaching experience whatsoever, with no but that's, any that's anything what I was. experience whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was so. But special. that's what I was when I first got there. Like when I just got out of college, like that's when I first started working there, and they were paying way like inexplicably more. And I was, uh -huh. I had no experience. Like I had been to school in my subject area, but they were like, uh, yeah. So they're not their justification for all, all this is so bizarre it's like uh i don't know it seems like you really uh took to the job and rose to the occasion more than i did perhaps but um, well i had experience so it was like you know i knew how it worked no no i mean even because you said that you came in basically in the same position that i did right oh yeah back a couple years ago yeah yeah and uh i don't know for whatever reason it clicked for you you're just, you have like uh, the talent for teaching at heart. Um, I don't know. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Uh, I feel like complimenting <laughs> someone as a teacher is kind of like a, a soft insult. But I don't uh, style myself as a teacher. I you're not, you're I not. have this rant. I mean, especially after the past six months, like where I really thought about this, uh, you know, in depth. And you're, you're a guy who teaches, I, I you're not a teacher. <laughs> yes, and I have no intention of being a teacher. Um, it was a COVID job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to insult anyone. Uh, so I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> Any teachers who are listening? <laughs> yeah, our teacher, teacher well, fan base. Th that's the thing, like mass public education is like a relatively new phenomenon and like rolling out a legion of teachers like nationwide is a new relatively new development and it's like you know like uh, especially in that format like mm -hmm. like big classes you know it, it varies from place to place but like really like the bottom line is just like straight up one-on-one -on -one tutoring is the best and um having someone who like works in a field or has like you know the energy in their in their subject 
matter. Uh, like, you know, it's like how many, how many people are teaching you to write and they don't write themselves or they, they like stopped writing years ago and they're not actively involved in it. It's like they, you know, there, there's a time and a place for it, but like that, they also, uh, the weird thing is like, part of teaching is teaching the wrong thing in a way to be then corrected later because you can't, you know, teach, especially with like writing or English or something like that, where it's like, you can't teach a middle schooler the actual, you know, complexities of the language that it's going to be too much for them. So you have to simplify things. And then, you know, further down the line, they'll be like, Oh, Scott's a fucking dick. He taught me the wrong thing, and like that's just like what yeah. You they have, have to, dis- to they have to discover it yourself. Yeah, they have to discover it themselves, right? And, or or uh, be taught further by another teacher and like correct right. the but, you know actually you, it's not always like this. There's exceptions to the rule, and you know, and and I, sometimes I tell them that I'm like, listen, I'm I'm feeding it to you this way, and it's like a streamlined thing, and it gets the job done, but know that there are you know it's much more complex than this and i i tell them that because they can understand that and that's an important thing i think for teachers to to um make clear that they're that these aren't hard and fast rules that need to be adhered to it's uh you know they're it's a step step step-by-step process and if you teach something in middle school, it's probably going to get completely deconstructed in high school, or hopefully it is. Uh, and that requires a series of good teachers to build on that. I mean, really, the best you know thing is having one teacher for years and years and years who knows what you learned, and then go from there. It's like I've had I've tutored kids for years in a row because I was just like hired privately or the situation was, you know, just such that I was, you know, with these kids for years and years and years. And that's how it worked. And it's a way different phenomenon. Like it's, it's a different, whole different vibe. Like I'm friends with them. They're like adults now. And like they, they learned more because I knew what they knew. I knew what direction they were going in and I could build on what we were doing. So it's like, you know, having, it's just like, that's a one-on-one dynamic. It's just complete, that alone is enough to be completely different. So it's like, but that was the good thing about the mosque. It was like, it was, it was kind of one-on-one in that way. Like my class, one of my classes had like three guys in it and the other one had what, like six yeah, that's true. That's um, as far as like the building upon or really like uh, deconstructing and reconstructing things. Like, I uh, find it pretty astonishing. Like the number of like literate adults I know who like write five paragraph essays like in a very like uh, sixth grade inflected style. You might say, mm-hmm. um, even like uh, journalists sometimes like will publish something on like the Atlantic or like one of these like uh, libtard magazines and you're just like blown away that like the syntax and like things I learned from reading this book book report you know mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah I guess that's like part of the uh, the Scotland's pedagogy is you know you learn uh, you learn the conventional story when you're maybe in sixth seventh grade and then you wait until you're in like high school 
to start hearing revisionist accounts of World War II. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah no, but yeah. I mean, like, but even like, it can be so simple. Like, I one of the best lessons, and it lasted multiple days. One of the best lessons I did. I think I told you about it. Like, I posed a question. It was just like critical thinking because I was, you know, it was deep in the quarantine, and I was like you know, things were, the kids were going crazy. I was going crazy. So I was like, we gotta, we gotta like do something a little different and like change the game a little bit. So, uh, the thing I did was it was like a critical thinking exercise and it was like, kind of like, it was like way free form. It was like really supposed to be a conversation and sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. I mean, like the class with, um, the, the slightly older kids, you know, I'm not going to like name them, but, um, like the the class of the slightly other kids where it was like two of them and me that that's what it was it was two of them and me so that was a three person class including the teacher so it was a like critical thinking exercise essentially where it was just like what if gas what if all gasoline tomorrow just like ceased to exist like poof it's gone what happens and they like you know obviously there's a million directions you can go in that and they at first didn't really know what to think of that. And I was just like, well, think about it. Think about all the implications that has. Think about that, like, you know, obviously cars um, and then whatever's powered by gasoline, you know, all these different things. And it eventually, we just kept going with it because that class was two hours, two hours straight. And like, we talked through the break that we would have and it just became a conversation. It was like basically me asking questions whenever you know, we got to, whenever they got to a certain point, I would, you know, provoke them a little bit more and be like, it essentially ended up being like a, a, a start from scratch situation where it's like everyone essentially goes to the farms and they hire people and you develop little things. And like, it became this whole thing. I wrote, I was writing it down the whole time. And it's like, you develop, uh, you know, people cause there's no, you can't really, uh, I forget what the context was, but like basically it ended up being that you couldn't like produce things at like a mass scale. So like it was kind of like reverting back to like medieval technologies in a way. Um, and they thought it was really fun and it was like a very engaging thing. And we ended up with this whole like story about different, you know, armies forming essentially and alliances and, you know, you know, like the political dynamics essentially forming economies and how after you develop like, you know, a, uh, like a food system, if you have surplus food, what can you do? You can now trade that for like luxury goods. Like if there's a a gold mine nearby and, you know, you could, if, if people developed around a gold mine or something, you can start getting jewelry and stuff like that. So it was really broad and, uh, they thought it was great and it was really interesting for me to like see how they navigated that. Um, and we did it for like a full week, like every day, two hours, we would do it. So it was like a 10 hour conversation going on. And, um, I have it all written down somewhere and I was like, yeah, this is crazy. Um, but like something like that, like that, you need a very specific environment for that to happen. Like that really isn't going to fly in like a 30 kid classroom. Um, 
and, and it's not going to be as quality for each of the 30 kids. Like that was a, a three person conversation, me and two 14 year olds. And it's like, that's, you know, leaps and bounds away from a lot of like schooling that I had, you know? Mm. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, my pedagogy consisted of uh, riding the subway that morning deciding what thing that I was interested in that I just recently read, I would uh, then make them read. And uh, then getting yelled at for trying to uh, red pill eighth graders about T.S. Eliot and Esther Pound. Well, no one, who was yelling at you? No one was yelling at you. Uh, we'll call him H. He's like a lanky uh, Indian. Yeah, boy. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Pakistani. Um, he also got kicked out of the school for punching the principal in the face. Oh, oh, I thought, okay, okay. Oh, oh, so one of the like, students yelled at you. Who cares? That's like, what I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but it was relentless. I couldn't get, like, a word in it. We would read one line, and then it would be, like, a chorus of, like, Yo, Mr. Nicholas, T.S. Eliot is trash. Why are we reading T.S. Eliot when we'll never actually use this? Yeah, that's, like... You, that's the thing i mean i i still i've been out of it for so long that like i can't even think of like how i respond to stuff like that it, it's it was i don't know like that's the weird thing about teaching stuff like that where it's like and and for that reason a lot of the time i would just completely avoid doing it because i was just like i know it's not gonna work like i know they're not gonna care you can't convince these kids that are in like a you know basically in their like their home because it was a live-in homeschool with no differentiation between the classroom and like game room where it was like oh my laptop's here now now i'm playing Fortnite for four hours and then the teacher comes in it's like now it's a classroom suddenly like the environment was really like unfortunately not the best for that so you like it did involve feeling it out which to, to see what worked, you know, and, and like, it is a stressful thing because you're just like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not doing it right. Like I, uh, like, you know, it's your time with those kids and you're responsible for it. So it's like a big, like burden to like wrap your head around. Um, but really just like being in a room with like an older intelligent person in itself is kind of a big learning process like just being there and interacting with like someone who's willing to like talk with like a kid on like a you know adult level and it's like and you're not like a moron like you're not like a like like you're actually intelligent and i'm actually intelligent and we can like sit there and we know how to like interact with these like like dumbass middle schoolers but like we're we're not gonna like be stupid with them like we're just gonna like treat them like little adults basically like that alone is like a big learning thing for them so it's like even if you don't even if you don't like get the content across or like have a successful lesson like that can be very productive in a way mm -hmm. i hope so i mean i hope they uh gain some value out of it it was uh the thing was, like, all of my lesson plans, so to speak, were, like, very low effort because I was just, you know, I wasn't being paid to, like, develop the curriculum, so... Oh, yeah, that was the other thing, yeah. 
they they had no yeah so it's like all right well you know you get what you pay for and unfortunately what you pay for is me trying to think of some work of literature on the subway on the morning there and then giving it to them honestly like i found like uh watching like uh history channel documentaries and stuff was probably like the most fruitful thing that i did uh Mm -hmm. There were some interesting ones. Or watching the Mishima movie. I showed them uh, Harakiri by uh, Masaki Kobayashi, mm-hmm. which uh, they actually got really into Harakiri. It was weird. The uh, The eighth graders liked Harakiri, and the seventh graders hated it. But the seventh graders liked Mishima, and the eighth mm-hmm. graders hated it. By the time, uh, you know, we ran out of time uh, right as Mishima was about to end, um right i think it was like the runaway horses segment was like reaching its climax Mm -hmm. and like you know they were really anxious to see what happened they wanted to see uh they wanted to see the plot on uh the japanese government Mm -hmm. um come to fruition (laughs) and then it was 12 30 it was time to go and they were just like no 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 no. can you skip ahead can you skip ahead (laughs) like (laughs) and uh so yeah, they got to watch Mishima disembowel himself. and <laughs> But I mean, even stuff like that, like just having a, that's why I did end up trending in that direction of like free form kind of things and just seeing where it goes because it's like, that is like a, like the, the idea of like critical thinking is this like kind of hackneyed thing that gets like bandied around in like education circles and stuff like that. But like, like if you approach it in a way where like an intelligent way and you guide it in the right direction like anything can be that where it's like as long as you have these kids interest it can be that that's why a lot of projects i ended up doing were do whatever you want i had them write about anime i was like you know if if it's gonna get you interested in it then let's write about it. Tell me, like, explain the plot and the character dynamics of an anime or a movie or something like that. And they would pick it and they would write about it and they'd write gigantic, you know, massive, massive essays and, like, you know, end up, like, writing, like, fan fiction and stuff. And I'm just like, it's fine. Like, like we can make this a learning experience if you're going to write about, you know, uh, One Piece. Like, uh, they they a lot of them really liked that. So I was just like, yeah, like explain a a plot arc or something like that, or explain like a character arc and, you know, just like how it works. And it's, that is a productive thing to do. It's not like you don't have to force them into, you know, writing about some shit that they don't care about. Like, because it's never going to work, especially in that environment, like especially in that environment where it was like, pretty crazy with like no disciplinary structure it was just like if you're being crazy eventually get out but it's not gonna yeah if you're being crazy they eventually just come and beat you and then let you come back and act crazy again like yeah it it was really uh the the structure of like administration was really a kind of failure in that way so and and eventually i realized because it wasn't like that at the other school like at all uh so this one it was it was a learning curve for me too. So I had to like feel it out and just be like, it honestly gave off the vibe of like being like a shit show run by 19 year olds, which it kind of was. Yeah. That's in a way the way it was. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and I'm in contact with them again. And I, you know, asked for 
a whole bunch of money and I just put it on the table. I was like, listen, if I'm like my other stuff is back, like I need this much at least like that's my minimum to make it worth it and they're like i'll talk to the board and i'm like what board the board (laughs) these like other 19 year olds in like these like ill-fitting suits like that are literally my former (laughs) students they're gonna decide how much i get paid now like yeah yeah go talk go talk to the board and then i text him it's been like three weeks now and i hit him up the other day i'm like yo did you talk did you talk to the board and he's like i'll get back to you and i was like oh okay like you know I it's possible that they would come back and hit me with that number but like it, it's possible and I would go back because I do think it's a fun job and it's uh regular and it f- suits my schedule right now and everything um but you know we'll see yeah the, the um the interesting thing about the kids um and you know as I said they're like the latest tumors I believe and I'm like the earliest Zoomer, mm-hmm. more or less. I'm 1998. They're like, would they would have been born circa 20, I guess like 2007. Like 2015. What? <laughs> no, I was oh. making a joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, Yeah, I mean, they're just, like, 10 years younger than me, basically. But, man, what a difference 10 years makes. Um, They're... To me, it almost seems like they're a very accelerated kind of uh, form of, like, the Zoomer archetype. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's just because I'm, like, a little bit distant from it, being, like, a borderline millennial. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like, the pure, like, Fortnite, like, dabbing, like... uh, uh, juice world kind of energy is something yeah. that I, it makes me uh, feel old at uh, at 23. Yeah, they. And, I um, mean, they seem to be particular. I mean, think about how much time they actually spend on the internet. Like, they're yeah. just kind of let loose on the internet. Yeah. Uh, and they have their own internal, like, that's haram, like, like self-policing kind of, uh, which, you know, seems to maybe, like, keep them not totally like in the depths of the internet but like also like they've said some like crazy stuff to me where i'm just like oh you guys like i get it like you know (laughs) yeah and like that's the other weird thing about it is like even though they are this like accelerated zoomer archetype they're also like sincerely pious in many ways and like yeah really actually muslim and like yeah uh, but in a way that's like totally not contrived that's not meme no it's just like authentically like they're like yeah like we listen to music like i love juice world but it's also haram but the jinns made me do it but also like, like it's not like totally <laughs> yeah, disingenuous gins. either because like they do have like this kind of like uh you know internalized guilt about it and like it's always mm-hmm. like a matter of dialogue like dialogue with each other and with the self and like uh kind of like mapping out those religious beliefs in uh you know in a society of infidels and you know what that means and how to engage with like being like hyper online zoomer cultures Mm -hmm. and to kind of see that take shape is really interesting yeah because that that was uh that that is i think like the most interesting dynamic about that place it was like you have 
kids who are legitimately like very muslim like they are like very muslim and simultaneously they are like internet brained like in every sense of the word um and you know like i would hear uh again i i'm not gonna name anyone but like one of my favorite students from the younger class who is much more mature than the other ones he would like shut kids down a lot of the time on like moral grounds if they were really doing uh you know like if they were making fun of a kid without a basis for you know doing that like like i would let like you know gentle like poking fun at each other happen because i'm not going to be like a maniac like yeah but, like, i'm not getting like paid enough to kind of emasculate the space with uh if I yeah like you're, it of its you're gonna aggression you're gonna make them hate you if you do that like uh-huh. it becomes very clear and like that's the thing like as soon as like i had to shut a kid down one day i i don't even remember the context but i like i don't want to say i i i just shut him down like i i was just like dude get out like i i i didn't yell i didn't yell at him but i was just like it got very serious and i was just like you need to you know it was he rolled his eyes at me he was like being completely like ridiculous in a way that was like completely disrupted to the whole thing and then i was like explaining to him why he can't do that because they're middle schoolers they can understand like that's the good thing about them they're kids but they're middle schoolers and they can like they they get it when you sit there and explain like hey you can't like smash this kid's head in with like a rock like that's it's crazy to do that like and they're like oh yeah i guess that is pretty crazy but like if you like you so i was like explaining to this kid like why he couldn't do this thing and why it was like a complete like thing and he like rolled his eyes at me and i was i was just like are you kidding me right now? And I was just like, dude, get out right now. And he tried to like, you know, defend him. And I was just like, get out. I do not want to hear it at all. Just get out and go talk Wait, to him. is that the worst that you had? Like, that I call that Tuesday, man. That was like, <laughs> the, the, I don't know, like trying to like rein them in in any way was like my personal Vietnam. Yeah, I mean, it, it is hard, but I, I would like... I don't know. I I was pretty stern with them about a lot of things, but but as soon as like I recognized a like multi-week long shift after that because I had control over like the class for the most part, but like after I did that, they were like they like fell in line in a way and it wasn't even like cuz they were scared, they were just like damn, like whoa. That's like crazy to like see cuz cuz for a long time when I was younger, I was, like, kind of wary of, like, getting serious like that. Um, And it's hard because you don't want to, like, be a dick. And it's not even that I was being a dick. I was just, like, getting serious. And it's, like, pretty aggressive to just be, like, you know, get out. Like, like, get, get out of my face. Like, are you kidding me? Like, rolling your eyes at me. Like, that's, like, that is outrageous. And to get like that is, like, pretty intense like the classroom gets really intense for a second and like i was really kind of like unsure of how to do that and you know now that i've been doing it now that i'm a little bit older i just like don't even care i'm just like i'll do it and i know how to do it because like i've i've done it 
in other contexts. I, I, like, I, sent, I sent kids out of the classroom so many times, like you, I, I couldn't even count them on two hands. Like, well, that's the thing. I would, I would send kids out for like minor things too. I would just be like, dude, you got to go. Like that's it. And it was like a, an easy, quick kind of thing. It was like less serious, but this was like a me being like visibly, audibly like grave about this whole thing. I was like, get out. And he left and, you know, it just, it changed the dynamic in the classroom for like, kind of like weeks. And we got a lot of good lessons. Like <laughs> the kids paid attention and they had like fun because they were like, oh shit, like, you know, we're doing it this way. And like, this is serious, like, you know, stuff like that. So it ended up being like weirdly productive to like, I don't want to say make an example of him because that sounds aggressive, but like, that's kind of like what happened. Talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean, where it was like, but, but he was being ridiculous and he was doing something that was really like out of line. And then to be completely like, uh, like rolling his eyes at me as I was like, you know, talking to him directly in the face. It's like, and I was, I would make that point. I'd be like, look me in the eyes when I'm talking to you like that stuff like that. And like some kids like couldn't do it and it like shut them down. Like I'd stare them in the face, in their eyes. And like they, it kind of like resulted in them kind of like backing down and like, which is, it sounds so stupid and like, kind. it, it sounds aggressive, but like, it's just a normal human thing. Like, mm -hmm. look me in the eyes when I'm like talking to you. And like, if the kid realizes he can't do it, then he's like, oh shit. Like, I'm like, you win. Like, if he can't look me in the eyes when I'm talking to him or like telling him why something is like, you know, too crazy to be doing. He like they know on like a primal level like if they can't do that they're just like fuck like that's it. Mm -hmm. I think my dynamic was different. I mean I think in many ways I started off as a cool teacher and they genuinely liked me or whatever, but like as they as time went on I feel like they could start to see how I was pulling out my hair <laughs> and. It just became, like, a lot less pleasant, and, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, I consider that a personal failure in some respects. Um, I mean... Because yeah. at first I really did have something good going. Like, it wasn't really educational in, like, the normal sense, like... Well, the know, normal sense is bad. I mean, I was... Yeah, I guess, but, I, you know, I wasn't making them any more literate to the best of my knowledge, despite my <laughs> best efforts... Because I, I tell you, by the end of my term there, when I had them write letters to the kid that got expelled for punching the principal in the face, <laughs> and then I read the letters, and I was just, like, uh, pretty mortified by the uh, mm. quality of the writing. Well, that's and that's thing. what you inherited yeah. from me. It was like, uh, you know, you, you had to take up that mantle, because... But those kids came into that environment being unprepared like they weren't operating at the grade level that they ostensibly were in like they had been through weird you know and, and that's just like the like, nature wasn't of it wasn't there uh the one kid that got like if they told me he got 15 percent or something on his uh oh yeah in the previous year like for the entire grade to the best of my knowledge like, yeah 
he literally got worse than picking a random answer on a multiple choice test. Yeah, I I don't know how how that <laughs> happens at all, but it's like it, that is a lack of focus. Like that's I, I really felt amazing when he when he started getting like sixty percent and seventy percent mm-hmm. and stuff. And I, I was like, whoa! I just like raised his grade by yeah. by fifty percent. Like mm-hmm. I put that on my resume too. I was like boosted student scores by as much as fifty percent. So. <laughs> It's it's like yeah, I boosted this kid from like an illiterate potato to like someone who could like you know like point out the alphabet or something. It's like yeah, three hundred percent. Like, uh, but like yeah, that that's uh, I mean that's that's the fucked up thing about it. Where like, uh, some of those kids were really behind and they were just operating at like, but it is a lack of focus because because weirdly enough like even trying to get them to answer things like when the stakes are high whatever if they have like a test in like their program or whatever um getting them to really actually focus is like is is very difficult and like if you can get them to focus and like ask them straight up questions they can basically give you the right answer a lot of the times like that's what i noticed and it's just that they can't like wrap their brain around just like doing it 10 times in a row of their with their own willpower to like do something like that and that's a internet thing i think like that's because they have this like weird floating disciplinary structure where like they're in islamic class for however many hours of the day and they like pray in this regimented thing but then they're simultaneously like for hours just like bouncing between algorithms of like youtube and spotify and like anime websites and like Mm -hmm. it's just like crazy that their brain is like undergoing that kind of Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we're witnessing the results of it in real time and it really does Mm -hmm. kind of like uh put a point on like what's salient about generation c um and how unprecedented that is and like i think it really kind of creates a cohesive narrative for me about like a lot of the behaviors that we associate with that generation Mm -hmm. um yeah and but i do find like the way that they engage with religion to be very interesting and organic and it kind of shows to me that this thing is kind of anti-fragile um or you can like put it in like this really like perverted like uh decadent like internet society whatever Mm. um but it still it still is like fundamentally islamic like it still is like a true tradition that is an impact on their life and um yeah, I just thought that was kind of uh, interesting to watch. Um, and I guess it kind of gives us some kind of framework to imagine what, like, religious tradition looks like in a very postmodern context. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how stable it is exactly, but it seems pretty stable, though. Like, it seems like they engage with the internet the same way that, like, a medieval peasant would engage with the temptations of the town harlot, you know? Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, it never, it, they're kind of like, awareness of the structure never goes away and it does it constantly was popping up um and i mean when they were fasting during ramadan it was like really serious and that kind of i watched them internalize like because they've done it before like they've been doing it um like every year and i i i think like fasting in general is like a like a, a productive experience like especially like with you know, it's, it's contemplative and like it, I watched it kind of happen in real time because that's a long time. Like Ramadan was, is what a month? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, it was like a month of them fasting. Yeah, I think it's a, a single lunar cycle. Okay. So it's like almost a month, like basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like, they, they did become much more like pious in a way during that period um i mean they were kind of like just low energy in a way um just because they were like kind of wiped out from that but like it was crazy to see that and like i never did it but i was always like in my back pocket like if they go if they really get crazy like i could just like bring in mcdonald's and just like set a bag down in front of them and like (laughs) it would be be really messed up that's why i never did it it never even like really actually crossed my mind but i was just like that's a that's a crazy trump card to like to do that because they would ask me not to even like drink water in front of them um and i was just like yeah that's fine like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like taunt you with that um but i would like eat in the back builds character (laughs) <laughs> what me me sitting there like chugging water in front of them and just yeah, like yeah <laughs> yeah that's the whole class like watch me feast in front of you like go to the chinese bakery across the street and like get everything on the menu and then just like uh just like you know <laughs> yeah the um another part of the dynamic that was really interesting was just how based and red-pilled these kids were it honestly gave me hope for for the future (laughs) but that's being a middle schooler like that's what i was gonna say before like we're viewing this at like their internet brains but also middle schooler brains where they're like uh you know an elementary schooler like can't really navigate the internet like they can but they like can't to the same capacity that like once you're like 12 13 like you're like driving around the internet like you know how like you know how it works and you know how to navigate it in a way that it's not just like i'm going to go to my website now and you know the thing that gives me this like they're pretty adept internet users at that point so it's like um they're old enough to know that darman is retarded (laughs) yeah that was that was crazy like they 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 shouted out like so (laughs) That was the thing, like, one of the kids, like, went up to another one, and he's like, yo, are you watching Darman right now? It was, like, in the middle of class. Yo, Darman is trash. (laughs) And then they were like, yo, Darman is trash. And I was just like, I was like, yo, Darman is trash. And they thought that was, like, the funniest thing ever. Like, that was was literally one of the funniest moments. I had gotten you into him, like, uh, I had gotten you into the Darman meme, and so it was really uh, nice to see it come full circle like that. Oh, man, it was so funny that they just, like, knew. Like, they complete, yet they would watch it for the same reason that we would watch it, because they're like, yo, this is so weird. It's like, it's like, 
aliens trying to live. It honestly like yeah. has like the same appeal as like Tommy Wiseau. Like yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's very. Not, it's not as good as Tommy Wiseau. I think no, Tommy no. Wiseau is just like unironically like truly a good filmmaker. But um, <laughs> like yeah, the Dar Man shit is like uh really strange and uncanny and kind of off-putting but like Mm -hmm. the thing is i feel like they are uh irony poisoned enough to know why it's funny yeah Um, but their parents would probably just love it like (laughs) yeah that's the weird thing like i would speak to their parents like not this group specifically so much but the other kids from like the original school uh and yeah their parents were like a lot of the time like barely spoke english like they were either It was weird because a lot of them were in the U.S. or in Canada or something like that in, you know, wherever, but they seemed to be, like, very culturally, like, not, like, Western, not, like, but but even, like, it was was just very different. Like, I couldn't really connect with them on on a certain level, if that makes sense. I talked to one of the dads, I think. I don't think I talked to many, but, um... I think I talked to one of the dads and he was very uh, typical of like African African dads in mm-hmm. the United States that I've Which encountered. Which is a sick dad. Like a hard ass though. <laughs> yeah. I um I went to my friend's graduation party when I was a junior in high school and it was a good vibe like everyone was having a good time but and he's uh Nigerian and like they were it was wonderful like very warm and like uh big-hearted and just full of joy and dancing whatever and yet the kid for whom the party was ostensibly um he spent like at least half the time running errands (laughs) um his parents were just like making him do work through his own graduation party yeah so uh yeah those like african dads can be real hard asses but um mm. but you know i had he was very uh dignified when i spoke mm. to him very understanding and uh because this uh the student was giving me a lot of grief in class and mm-hmm. it just got to a point that the uh the principal told uh got uh mr mr on the phone mm-hmm. and yeah <laughs> it was uh, a kind of, it was a cultural exchange of sorts. You yeah. Know, the the weird, like, uh, esoteric, like, uh, literary NYU, like, f- fresh out of college teacher meets the fresh off the boat, dignified, like, successful Nigerian, or I guess, I don't know where he was from, maybe Guinea or something like that, dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but yeah. I mean, part of it is just like the normal. Like, I feel like in some ways they do talk in a register that I would have been very comfortable at in the in that age. But like, the thing is, I don't know. They are also like genuinely homophobic in a way that I feel like when I was in like seventh or eighth grade, I would not have been. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I definitely never had that. But I'm also from New York, so it's like it was never really a thing in general everyone Um, would say gay is a pejorative but like and i thought that was the funniest thing in the world but like and i still do it's hilarious it is hilarious it's like (laughs) it's the funniest thing it just just rolls off the tongue it's great like (laughs) 
it's like competent. There's like, so, it's it goes uh, deeper than the content of the word. It's a sonic thing. It, it just uh-huh. feels good. It just feels amazing. Yeah, in the same way that the word retarded like feels very aggressive and powerful, like the word gay just feels very funny and whimsical. Um, but like they would always talk about how much they didn't like gay people and if i ever tried to like talk them down i'd be like oh you know in christianity like or you you shouldn't you know just because your friend's gay doesn't mean like you should stop being friends with him like you should just tell him you disapprove of his lifestyle and his choices and they'd be like no actually in islam you have to stop being friends with your friend if he's gay (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was the thing where I I was just like, I was always really neutral about those things. I was just like, listen, like, people believe a ton of different things, like, Uh because I never, that was the last thing I wanted to do, like, have this whole meltdown where it's like, Scott's being haram, and he's teaching them, you know, this whole (laughs) thing, he's being like this, like, he's being the infidel, like, and it's like, I, I really was just like, okay, next subject. Like, I don't, I'm just not going to engage with that. No, but, but I mean, I, I was like, there, you know, you're not, you don't, you shouldn't be aggressive for no reason. And it's like, is there a reason? Realistically, no, there's, there's really no reason. Right, right. And if, if, I mean, that's like when they said like, oh yeah, you just like, you have to stop being friends with a gay person in the Quran. And I, I'm pretty sure they were just kind of extrapolating different things, but mm-hmm. you know, the nuances of like sodomy and the homosexuality as a concept, like are probably lost on like seventh or eighth graders. But, um, the, um, you know, once they just like up and tell me like, Oh, well the Quran says you have to hate gay people. I'm like, well, that's sad. I guess you do have to hate gay people. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Well, I mean, it's weird because they are so westernized in a way, like, they cannot help but be westernized. So, they're middle schoolers, like, they, they like to say a lot of dumb stuff, whatever, and I, I really think, like, as they get older, like, you really just can't, it's really difficult to, like, function in society that way, and, like, I think just by osmosis, they basically, like, will internalize, if they haven't already, a lot of, like, basically, like, generic liberal sentiments the same way a lot of like christianity has where it's just like you know it's fine whatever like yeah i mean that seems to be the pattern in terms of like uh modernity <laughs> like well in terms of like uh muslim immigrant populations in western mm-hmm. europe and the united states because you know there's kind of like a hope among uh some in our orbit that like oh like the muslims like if we import like the brown horde from the third world like that'll make us based again because they're socially conservative and in some ways it probably would but also like they're uh not super well equipped to like deal with it in many ways um i think that's something that Huelbeck talks about too uh in the elementary particles actually he says like you know the muslims are actually like worse off in many ways because their system is not as complete it's uh i mean this is also him being polemical when he's like oh it's the stupidest religion like Mm. that's i think like him being provocative like i mean i think he meant it and there are definitely times when i sympathize with that um i don't know what would your pick for the stupidest religion be uh like i I don't know i've never asked that before (laughs) buddhism is the worst like but I, I'm I'm least attract 
I, I don't know. I think it has merits, but it doesn't appeal to me because like the the like the nihilistic elements of it. I and like the yeah yeah you know. Like, it, but it's smart. Like you can see, I can see how someone comes to that conclusion. I think it's like uh, it collapses to kind of like a radical choice and like an assumption in value theory, mm-hmm. and that's kind of my grievance with Buddhism. But like, I can very much see how an intelligent person would be drawn into it. Um, and how you can develop a tradition that is rigorous and contingently meaningful out of Buddhism. Yeah, I don't know. Islam, like, like the great Muslim philosophers, like the great Muslim theologians, like they were great really in spite of Islam, in my view, rather than, uh, because of it. Whereas like, you know, someone like Aquinas, I feel like he is like building or like St. Augustine or whatever, like they're building on a Christian tradition and it informs their work in a way that like, like someone like Averwe's, um, I think he's just doing philosophy in spite of the Quran in many ways. Mm. Yeah. I've never engaged with like the theological elements of it really. So I don't really want to speak in any capacity on that, but, um, I mean, I've never read the Quran either. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but th- there is something I, I don't, you know, like if you go into a mosque, like you, there is something like powerful about it. Like even the one that we were at, which was, you know, a, a basically a nondescript building from the outside in Brooklyn. And then you go inside and, you know, the actual mosque portion i mean even the kitchen even the kitchen was like the classrooms had big mosaics in them and like that is something where i'm like this is you know this is something that is like a kind of like fundamental good i think like this like uh impulse towards like kind of objectively beautiful things like by Mm -hmm. using geometry and like uh architecture in such a way that it's like evocative of like a powerful sensibility that you even me as a non-islamic person like anyone can walk into a place oh yeah i I think there's a lot to recommend about islamic art um in many ways uh islamic aesthetics uh have a certain gravity and power to them and i think that people are right to recognize that i guess um my critique is that it seems to lack philosophical rigor in many ways um Mm. at its core but um so for example like the quran like this book that is like also like you know it was kind of with god before the universe but kind of not but it also like uh it's kind of part of god but kind of not in many ways like it uh is it has the same role as the logos in Christianity in the prologue of John. Um, that's probably like, it's more comparable to Jesus than it is to the Bible in terms of Islamic belief. And yet the literary merit of this book, this book that is like God's one Testament to humanity, this book that is like so innate to the structure of the universe that if you cut open a tree, like the Quran is in like, present in the grains of wood in some esoteric like uh indecipherable way uh the literary merit of this book is not immediately apparent to me uh having browsed it somewhat casually um Mm. and 
gee, you know, for this, like, cosmic, like, uh, feature of the universe that is just, like, so profound and immense and galaxy-brained, it sure looks a lot like a speech that an illiterate desert nomad would give to rile people up to go to war. Mm. It compiled in a totally uh, incomprehensible way. Yeah, I'd be... I. That's the thing, like, I, I really have never even given it a shot. Um, and, I mean, I even, like, my, like, biblical stuff is even pretty iffy. Um, I'd be... Uh, sure. Well, you're a Catholic. Of course it is. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but even, like, the Girardian biblical stuff that I'm, like, relatively versed in is, like... Which, you know, that it is kind of like this weird, like, although Gerard is like a like a Christian, he has a very secular, friendly reading of the Bible. Um, and I'd be curious, like, what he thinks of Islam or the Quran or, you know, if, if those ideas would be applicable. Because the whole basis is that, like, the biblical stories are honing in on these, like, uh, I mean, specifically, like, the... Uh, passion of the christ is like honing in on this scapegoat thing and surpassing it and i i'd I'd be curious to see if that can in any way be applied to islam i mean the idea is that i mean from the his perspective it would be no like the bible was the event and now we are on the apocalyptic trajectory that takes place after the passion of the christ and then you know and and then the quran would be i guess seen as a kind of non-event or it wouldn't really factor into that but um Mm -hmm. taking a step back being a little bit more like secular about the whole thing i'd be curious outside of saying i'm going to read this in a uh, like a fully christian tradition and accept the apocalyptic like nature of this um and saying well can we can we us call the Quran one of these texts as well. Can we can we recognize these dynamics being played out and uh, basically elucidated in the Quran in the same way that it is in the Bible? Um, so, hmm. you know, well, I don't know what exact concepts uh, Gerard is uh, referring to in the Bible that could potentially be fleshed out in the Quran, but in many ways it just seems like a reduction. Um, I don't know. I don't want to be like too polemical about it. Like mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, I think there's a lot to recommend about Islam, you know, the, uh, the solemn beauty of like the acapella nasheeds and, mm-hmm. um, Islamic architecture. It's like, uh, it kind of speaks to the power of having all these, uh, arbitrary restrictions. Um, mm-hmm. and how that can actually be like a, a source of creative, um, energy yeah um even like uh the haram diet which i mean the halal diet like it's kind of just like made up it's like kosher but like kind of dumber and yet like uh out of that comes like uh a few uh culinary traditions which i think have a lot to recommend so Mm. I mean, I think there's a basis in the pork thing. Um, I mean, that that 
that is a kind of transcendent idea that uh, goes across a lot of different traditions, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I, I heard a, a better, like kind of like very concrete explanation of it recently. Um, and I was like, Oh, whoa, that makes like a ton of sense. Like, but I don't remember what it was. It was something about the way pigs, like, uh, yeah, I don't remember what it was, but, um, yeah, that's the thing. I never, I never really like too much thought about Islam in that sense. Um, I was, I was never really, I, I didn't really care to engage with it because I was just like, it is the, the way that these kids are learning it or the way that it's being taught to them is kind of a net good i think like the the way that oh, yeah. they're doing it no i mean it's yeah. based like that they have this uh tradition you know uh you know i i can nitpick it as like an idea as like an ideology mm-hmm. and you know kind of like scrutinize it that way as i would with like other worldviews of the world but nonetheless yeah. like they believe in the good the true and the beautiful like i'm not like Mm-hmm. trying to like go around making enemies of muslims for that reason yeah like, yeah which i mean that's kind of the thing with submission like it is i think a real uh like epic troll in that way where it's like this you know like this like kind of classically welbeck repulsive in a way narrator who gets what he wants as a result of this thing that is, uh, you know, simultaneously so welcome yet contradictory in a way to like the liberal, you know, a lot of like liberal sacred cows, I guess you could say. Um, so it, it is like a, I, I think it's a very like trollish book just in general. It's genius. Like it, it needed to be written and it was waiting to be written. Um, and it's very like, obvious like what he's doing i think like it's all there like anyone who's like paying attention to politics or social dynamics of like that that thing that's happening that he's honing it on uh it is there and it's like immediately recognizable um and you know i think he does a good job handling it like it it's funny and you know i i found that very gripping like serotonin i have that now and i've had it like i've had it for months now and i still have not finished it i got like halfway through and i was just like this is like not it's just like a slog kind of and like i'm I'm, i felt the same way i uh yeah i i finished it in a much shorter time but Mm -hmm. and nonetheless like I would say it probably didn't do that much for me. I kind of liked yeah. it, like, but um, definitely didn't uh, just like hit me as immediately. Um, it might just be like too uh, European like focused. It might be yeah. like too Eurocentric for an I American think that's... like me. But yeah. um, I don't know. Uh, our friend uh, uh, Petty Bourgeois Protestant, as mm-hmm. we'll call him. He uh, said that serotonin was his favorite because it's about how you could like waste your entire life like not doing anything and like how it, it just like the kind of like paralyzing effect of inaction. But um, yeah. Before we get too into the weeds of Welbeck, I would like to take a bathroom break if you would uh, permit me. Okay. Yeah. Much obliged.
Yeah, I mean, I read, I borrowed Submission from Alex, and we read it at the same time, and I kind of, like, blasted through it um, just of my own interest. It wasn't even, like, oh, I have to read this because I'm reading it with someone else. It was just, like, a, a very, like... And, and at the time, I didn't really know anything about Wiesmann, so... And, and it's a very interesting i would really like to go back and read it again uh just in general because i've only read it one time um but i would really like to go back and read it especially after learning more and reading wiesman because it is overtly like catholic in that sense and to include that in a novel about islam essentially is obviously huge and i i think there was a bit that didn't really didn't so much translate to me or it kind of wouldn't have struck me in the same way that now after reading and familiarizing myself with him and really enjoying him he's he's phenomenal um i am very curious i saw that there's like an article about like what welbeck learned from Wiesmann. um oh yeah i read that uh i think uh quinn and i uh were talking about that okay yeah yeah i i saw that in passing uh and, and I didn't read it, um, but I, I'd be curious to see kind of the, the whole thing about that, because that, that like, those long, uh, it was very cozy to kind of just, like, hear him recount these things about his life, but a lot of it, um, I think, went over my head. So I would, uh, you know, re- either way, like, one of my points is, like, submission is a very readable thing like it's it's like the right length i think um oh yeah it's it's like uh very good very digestible it's just like yes a nice like but kind of casual like french meal yeah that was the thing i was uh i was looking for i think i asked some of my friends i was like i i want a book that's cozy i want like a cozy book and one of them was like well actually submission like despite you know, it's like a pretty intense title, and despite like the debates around it, and like what what the subject matter, you know, it what it deals with, it is like a surprisingly a kind of cozy book. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like it's a travelogue. Like, like I think so uh-huh. much of that is owed to the fact that it is uh, structured as like this travelogue is like this just like casual, like mostly like plotless journey through France in many ways. Like mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it, the guy just has things kind of happening to him. Um, and, yeah, it's, like, I think it's the right, it's the right size, it's very, like, succinct in a way, where it makes the argument in kind of as few words as it needs to Yeah, it's very economical, uh, very dense, I would say, not, like, prose-wise, but, like, uh, with, uh, subject matter, a little bit, like, uh, on the nose, like, uh in many ways i think yeah um, it it can be that's a a, like a valid i think you can make that a critique like a negative thing but i don't mm -hmm. think it's negative i think it yeah it's just just an observation like yeah yeah it's i think because of like this like just kind of like very succinct uh structure and pace and tone and um thematic cohesion in some ways it probably is like less of a grand statement than something like the elementary particles which i think Uh is like a truly like great novel um it doesn't have the same impact because it is just like this 
uh, platonic ideal, like novella, like perfectly formed object from the author's mind that is just like realized without flaw in a very like uh, low key, like kind of understated form, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's making a very like it's it's very contemporary social commentary whereas like the the elementary particles could be seen as like a general like broad I think it's more relevant commentary. now than it was when it was written oh yeah i th- i think so. and it's just gonna continue to be more relevant i think that like he was I mean, talking about like sexual marketplace stuff before incels were you know before incels were like a lesbian like uh yeah. message board <laughs> like i mean that's that's why welbeck is one of the current greats because he's honing in on things that are, uh, I mean, you know, I, I can't speak comprehensively about, like, everything, but, like, he's one of the main people who is acknowledging things in that. And, I mean, that is thematically across his work. Like, these are the things he's concerned with. Like, these are the things he's trying to reconcile and interrogate and all these things. And submission is, you know, obviously in that vein, it, it touches on all that subject matter. Um, but it does it in a way that is very contemporary and specific. And for that reason, it is something that, you know, it's not a novel that can't be read far in the future, but I think, um, yeah, elementary particles is something that is, it, yeah, it's very much of, uh, I mean, it it is purposefully like grounded in history in the sense that Mm -hmm. like, Um, at the time of publication, like everything that happens is in the near future. And mm-hmm. so as soon as like uh, anything like that, any like near future novel, um, you know, as soon as it's published, it really uh, the timeline split off. And then it, mm-hmm. I guess it becomes harder to like really indulge in the fantasy in some ways, or at least like to indulge in it is a real possibility. I don't know. But mm-hmm. in some ways, like the details are uh you know, obviously not how things worked out. Like, uh, Macron wasn't even on the radar of Welbeck when he wrote it, mm-hmm. but the broad picture, like might just be, uh, you know, it, it does seem to reflect like the course of things. Um, notwithstanding that like the, uh, liberal party and the mother Muslim, like the, ever was the socialist party and the Muslim brotherhood kind of like, uh, join forces to, um, prevent the front national from taking power mm-hmm. but um you know in our timeline so to speak like we've seen uh like liberalism go increasingly nativist mm-hmm. um so maybe islam is more of a threat to the kind of like neoliberal world order than i've given it credit for but well i mean that's that's in a well the, the, I think, uh, yeah, beyond, like, the specificities, it is more so about look where these, look look where, look what aligns, look what meshes, and look what doesn't. And then he's laying that out in a kind of, like, very on-the-nose way. Like, it is literally, like, a alternative future type thing. And it, it is very, like, explicitly... Uh, it's like on the nose even in the sense of like the narrator's like takes on it like as he's like witnessing this stuff and like what happens to him how he turns out but um so i i it is like i mean he i don't i don't want to call it like a novel of ideas because i don't even know what the fuck that means and it's like a stupid 
thing, but like I would say Elementary Particles is more of a novel of ideas in a way because it deals with it is like a philosophical novel. Um and I mean that like I've had three panic attacks in my life. And one of them occurred reading the ending of Elementary Particles, uh, like the third time. And I don't, I don't even know why it happened. Like it, I think it was like external factors, like something going on in terms of like, you know, whatever. But like, I literally had to like get up and I, I like, I was like, I gotta walk around the block. Like I'm freaking out right now. Um, it is a very, uh, and like, that that like i basically i forgot the novel like ended as intensely as it does and i was just like oh shit like this is so fucked up um <laughs> i mean i found like the elementary particles um you know Quilbeck has this reputation for being this like jaded like mean french misanthrope that just like writes like uh, novels full of invective against Arabs and retarded people and gay people. That is like the and, lowest quality take on it. Like and you are, like, you are proving how completely illiterate you are. Like when it you is <laughs> hard edge, but like I was really uh, moved and struck and even encouraged in some ways by that novel because it was so sympathetic to its characters and like. Mm -hmm really like fleshed out their struggles in this humane way that felt redemptive mm -hmm. and um uh i thought that his female characters in particular you know for uh rank misogynist like uh Welbeck is actually like really kind-hearted in his uh uh portrayal of these women who make very questionable choices and kind of like humanizing them mm -hmm. and uh portraying their decisions empathetically as like a product of the times kind of and um really giving them the dignity of the consequences of those decisions mm -hmm. yeah he i mean he does view those things as it's like he's he's obviously thought about them like like that's that's why it's so reductive to make these claims and i mean like i think like 90 percent of anything that's said about anything is basically just like wrong <laughs> like it's just like people are people want to have an opinion about something and they're just ah this is fucking crazy but like especially with like a provocative thing where he is intentionally kind of provocative specifically with stuff like submission um but it's like uh the so many people have an opinion about him and he's like a cool guy to have an opinion about but people are drawn to it for that reason and just, like, have the standard, like, oh, he's this, that, and that opinion. And it's just, like, it is, it's, like, literally embarrassing for the people to, like, hear them say that. And it's just, like, okay, so either you didn't read any of it or you read it. And you have failed, like you've completely failed to interpret or even like literally just read it. It's I mean, like you it, even see like books, like reviews on like Goodreads or whatever that acclaim the book that are like, oh, it's really great. And they see the same value that we do. But like then they talk about it and it's like 
they really do portray it as this kind of like not cruel but like just like super jaded like misanthropic view of the world whereas mm-hmm. i think that the humane aspect is what really stuck with me and what really impressed me so much about it in the first place well i mean that's that's kind of the thing where i do kind of like tire of that angle he takes i mean specifically with uh, elementary particles like that is like a really brutal book to read and i got like when i initially was reading it i got like halfway through it and then i stopped for some reason like not because i wasn't enjoying it but i like got busy and i was just like the weight of like having read half of it and not resolving any of the stuff that like takes place in like the you know middle of the of the novel it was just like, oh man, this is like so depressing in like this like cosmic way. And it's, it is like brutal. And that's the interesting thing about like his interest in Wiesman. Like it is like a, like a religious thing. And it's just like, you could escape this. (laughs) Like you don't have to. And it shows, it's interesting that, you know, he wrote that in 2015 or whatever, or it came out in 2015. And, um, I mean, I don't, I don't see any of that in serotonin, um, but it's like, do you really want to commit to being, he, he is very like sensitive and humane in a way that like, is, I guess, somewhat subtle, but it's kind of like, it's kind of exhausting to read at times. Like the way that he, it's very bleak is, is what I mean. And like, I guess him, I, mean, I thought him, it was kind of invigorating in some ways, and I thought that well, what specifically, like act, elementary particles? I, yeah, yeah, like the mere act of like uh, kind of like entering into the world and like the mind of this, uh, you know, this woman that uh, left like a reliable boyfriend she loved to ride the cock carousel for thirty years, like, and to do that <laughs> in like this kind of like humane way, like. Just, like, the act of, like, reading her struggle presented as it is and seeing, um, what's his name? Um, Michelle, like, capable of loving her. Mm -hmm. Um, that, I think that that redeems the, uh, brutal aspects of it in many ways. And, like, the graphic violence. and, And not only that, like, it left me feeling, like, hopeful Mm-hmm. Um, even though the ending, I think, is also very dystopian. Um, oh, yeah. And the ending kind of jumps the rails a little bit. And yet, like, because oh, yeah. you understand the uh, the character's motivations um, mm-hmm. and because you can approach it from a place of humanity rather than, you know, like, uh, there could easily be, like, a novel, a less, like, quality novel written where uh, someone like Michelle is, like, the like villain uh trying Mm -hmm. to like destroy humanity right like that's kind of like uh real life in some ways is like that Mm -hmm. uh that scenario and yet to just like enter into the mind of like the technocratic like uh the true misanthrope Mm -hmm. like i think that that's like a much truer like sense of misanthropy Oh yeah, is what these like uh, scientific technocrats like Michelle would usher into the world, mm-hmm. um, and that's what's so 
that's why it was i found it so like deeply horrifying because i was like oh i recognize exactly this like i recognize i don't see any of that in like the author's voice in the novel itself yeah it presents like people uh empathetically too as humans destroy humanity but Mm -hmm. um at the same time i don't think like you know this word misanthropy like i feel like it's used on welbeck because he is unafraid of like the extremes of human depravity yes uh the contingent and the violent and the problematic Mm -hmm. and yet like i don't think that's really misanthropic because it's uh an act of love it's like Mm -hmm. uh having a problematic podcast where you make people listen to a chinese song to get to uh (laughs) conversations with overly online people it's like (laughs) it, it really is an act of love of humanity to like uh kind of like catalog the its own its depravity and yet still Mm -hmm. seek redemption whereas i think that to engineer those things out of existence and like this like uh avoidance uh of like the like transhumanist like neoliberal technocrat that is like purely misanthropic Mm -hmm. yeah i mean and that that's why i was saying like submission is a book that can and will be read uh down the line you know decades from now and will remain relevant but that's why uh elementary particles speaks more broadly about liberalism or specifically like neoliberalism um and it's like a grappling with it and the directions that it's headed in and how people respond to it but i i should amend what i said before because like i like i said i stopped reading it halfway through and you can't do that with that book because it's unresolved and it, and you get all the depravity and like the fucked up stuff and then you're just like oh shit that yeah that sucks but he he does like it's a complete book like he resolves all of it and he resolves all of these relationships in that way and yes that that is kind of the funny thing about it like misanthropic like it he is not just purely based on the fact that he can like create such in-depth characters in this way and that he's willing to do the whole array like that like you have to have an he he's demonstrating an appreciation of the experience simply by doing that and and thinking about it and writing about it to such a degree and concerning himself with it because i don't it's bleak in in the middle like it's bleak at times because it has to be but it's like intentionally so and he is kind of uh maybe like politically pessimistic or pessimistic about like the trajectory but he is like gesturing at something that is ultimately optimistic like he's saying like look at what we can do and look at what we are tending towards and it's wrong like if he didn't care he wouldn't be writing these things he wouldn't be doing any of this so it's like it is you know that's really what it is like he does give a shit just by concerning himself his entire life with this stuff you know Mm -hmm. i think that uh in submission like uh 
the characters are much more like avatars for if not ideologies than like yeah. different like types of people different mm-hmm. groups um much like less as individuals like fully formed that you yes. might encounter in real life although they can be quite captivating in their own way um mm-hmm. but yeah that 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 book was very systematic that's why it is like as an art object it is very deliberate he's 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 laying out a very specific dynamic a very contemporary specific dynamic um that he like you you can read that and say this is a novel where he intended to do this and then he did it like that was his he had basically an idea that he would say i'm going to approach this dynamic of you know things that mesh things that don't mesh how they how they interact with one another and like the kind of like uh outcomes that are not immediately apparent that could you know take place by these like strange alliances that that are there but not there like they're there like ideologically or on a deeper level that they can play out this way um but yeah, it, it is very like systematic in that way. So it's it's kind of it stands out for that reason. Because I mean, all of his stuff that I've read is very intentional in a way. Like he has a purpose of each book has like a distinct purpose. But that one seems to be like more so, like very specific. Mm-hmm. Um Hwalbeck is like me, like uh very much like a concept writer, I think. Like yeah. a high concept writer. Um, one might even say like those are kind of gimmicks. Uh, I would hardly uh, throw stones living in a glass house, but <laughs> um, but you know he, it's kind of a cliche and like discussion. Um, well, back that it, it so happens that very shortly after he publishes a novel. There is then like a world historical event or like a French like national like news event that affirms that his. <laughs> uh, that just like uh, serendipitously coincides with the text of the novel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the day that uh, submission was published was the day well, yeah. of the Charlie Hebdo attacks famously. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there was like something after the elementary particles which kind of got swept under the rug that was more of like a european issue mm-hmm. and then of course after uh, serotonin there was a yellow vest movement um which you can kind of see with well the wasn't that, that written wasn't that written during no or really i don't i don't think so no i'm pretty like the yellow vests are like uh to the best of my knowledge like kind of like, that was part of, like, the high 2010s culture that just kind of got annihilated by COVID. Um, do you remember uh, Jesus is King or Joker or Thank You Next by Ariana Grande? That's kind of, like, what the Yellow Vest movement was. I, I'd i be... I don't know. My understanding was that it was going on for a long period of time and then reached, like international consciousness but i'd be curious i'd be curious to look because i my my uh, understanding was always that he wrote it as a kind of like 
direct engagement with this thing that was like actively happening. Oh, maybe. But but I'd I'd be curious to see. You know, okay. I mean, either way, either way, it really doesn't matter so much because he is engaging with contemporary Europe. Like that is like what a lot of his, you know, that that's like what a lot. A ton of his so the so. novel Serotonin was published January 2019, and Yellow Vests began in uh, what was it November 2018. Yeah. So it was published oh, wow. two months after the uh, movement broke out. Maybe in like hmm. I assume it wasn't written in two months, but maybe in like <laughs> the later stages, it was influenced by the uh, the movement. See, but the sentiment was there prior to it so of course it it seems like the the sentiment was more obviously there in that it Mm -hmm. it it seemed like a very direct like i'm going to write about this thing that is happening like not even that i'm inferring that it's going to happen it was it came off to me as like a i'm i'm writing about this like i'm writing about Mm -hmm. this thing you know Mm but um i uh I have to read um, Possibility of an Island because that has come highly recommended to me and I haven't read it yet. And uh, a lot of my friends, uh, that's their favorite. Um, Yeah, someone, uh, I feel like some filmmaker or something said he loved that novel. Hmm. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now. Mm -hmm. Set within a cloning cult that resembles the real world Rielians. That's cool. Um, I don't know if I told you this story, but I actually had an email exchange with uh, the Rielians when I was like a wee boy. When I was like, uh, like I think 10 years old or something, I discovered the Rielian movement from like a YouTube ad. And Are you familiar with them movement? at all? No. So Riel was, uh, or, uh, or I don't know if, yeah, Rael was like this French race car driver or something hmm. who said he went up on a mountain on like a hiking trip. And while he was on the mountain alone, these aliens manifested to him and oh. told him that they were behind like everything in world history. It's very like ancient aliens and it's yeah, kind yeah. of uh, lore. And so they are, they're called the Elohim and hence like the uh, words for God, like Allah and uh, mm. um, what are the other ones? Um, Yahweh. Yeah. Yeah. These are all just like ostensibly corruptions on Elohim. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of have like a galaxy brained like uh, kind of cosmic view of the world. They're also like kind of like relatively harmless as far as cults go. So they're, they're like, like new age. Yeah, they're like new age basically. They're like kind of horny. And yeah, I mean that's the whole. They like protest yeah. against like female genital mutilation and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like, in France, they do that? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, like, world... I mean, they probably do it in France, but, like, I don't think they go to Sudan and, like, protest it, but, like, they have, like, a whole thing about... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, valid, yeah, it's, like, protest. <laughs> one of the, like the one of the more, like, uh, harmless, like, horny cults, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but, it um, makes sense that he would be engaging with yeah. that in a multi... Because that is... When a, I was uh, 
Yeah, when I was a kid, like, I just found Raelianism, and I, like, emailed, like, a representative of them. I'm like, you know, I have some doubts about this Raelian thing. And I was just, like, laying out, like, all of, like, these arguments about why I thought Raelianism probably wasn't right. And, like, respectfully. And they're like, no, like, come to the compound. You have, we'll, we'll explain. Yeah, yeah. She was just, like, uh, <laughs> trying to, like, talk me out of these, like, very reasonable, like, 10-year-old critiques. Like, mm -hmm. probably, like, presuming that she was, like, engaging with, like, an actual adult yeah 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 oh no she oh so she didn't know you were like a child no i didn't tell her i was i, was, I, okay. I guess i kind of uh wanted to sustain the mystery but, yeah um, yeah because so it had, had you very yeah. close to my heart for that reason <laughs> for uh thrusting you into the world of uh weird philosophy weird <laughs> gosh i don't think i have that email account anymore but i wish i did Mm, yeah yeah that's um i imagine if if they had known you were a 10 year old boy they probably would have been a lot more uh welcoming in a way no i'm not going <laughs> to paint them as as that i don't know if they're that um maybe they're maybe they're great if they're protesting female genital, genital mutilation then yeah i can get behind that um uh, but yeah that's uh cool it with the hot takes man that's uh... <laughs> yeah i don't want to be controversial but like that shit's fucking crazy like uh -huh. i don't know about that <laughs> um yeah cringe but... and blue pills <laughs> that's that's a that's a take i'd like to fucking hear you know <laughs> it's like yeah I'll, I'll sit there for like a 20-minute YouTube video, or, or that, no, that's not YouTube, that's BitChute, that's, um, that's something else, that's, that's beyond, um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, I guess to just, like, sum it up, obviously, he's a very, like, important, valuable writer, and I will continue, and everyone who can handle it because <laughs> apparently not many people could fucking handle it because a lot of people can't handle a lot of stuff um if you can handle it or if you want to try to handle it you should get into it because it is very contemporary and nuanced and it does have this it's very like rewarding to like have him so it's there's so much i mean i just don't listen to it anymore like i the 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 stuff about like him being like that is like a pro-islam novel like submissions specifically it's like it and if you don't well, maybe that's why it's like uh controversial in some ways is that like because islam like there's still this vision to it there's still yeah. like this kind of like majesty it's the same as like hotep stuff like even if i find it kind of dumb and misguided in some ways i st you still have to appreciate like the uh magnificence of it like this like yeah uh, total totalizing aesthetic vision of Islam and so in that way like it is even though it's like kind of like contingently like a tool of like the neoliberal world order or whatever because mm -hmm. they can just like import hordes of illiterate people that like Darman videos to like vote for them like on some level it, like they are like uh, bitter enemies and it's hard to foresee like any kind of like hybrid of neoliberalism and Islam although that is kind of like what you get from submission it's kind of like it forms the missing link between like uh, like these like neoliberal technocrats and the 
hordes that they import from the third world um and that is in kind of incarnate in the person of uh what muhammad uh ben abbas or is that his name oh the uh the political leader yeah yeah the muslim brotherhood candidate Mm -hmm. yeah that he he kind of like uh result like he resolves the dialectic between Mm -hmm. the neoliberal technocrats and their immigrant uh subsidiaries yeah and i mean that that is what is fascinating about it and the fact that that i mean it's a somewhat complex point to make and i could see how someone reading it who's like not there to like to accept that would just blow right past that but it's just like those are people who aren't serious like they're not you know they, they'll read it whatever they'll you know so that that's really what it comes down to with like a lot of this stuff it's just like if you're not going to engage with it on that level you're just not serious like you're just like you're not into it you're not into it and you're not about it and like like if, if you're not going to be like that then just like I don't want to hear it. <laughs> like, if you're really not yeah. going to engage with it at a like comprehensive level that it is written at, and that is like, it, it's not even hidden that it's written that way. It's like it's very overt that that is the point being made. So that's why it's astounding to me that people can completely gloss over that and just be like, ah, oh, it's this thing. That this is what it is. Like, this is who Welbeck is. Like, and it's just like you're a clown like you're a joke it's ridiculous and it's like uh-huh. like now i'm getting pissed but I yeah think, um <laughs> let's bring it back to the book a little bit like uh another feature of this aspect of um ben Abbas as like this like kind of like late stage evolution of neoliberalism where it just becomes islam is that I think it kind of reflects like the ideal that power flows to those who are worthy. And it kind of shows how like any like political order will either become like a more based form of itself or just be destroyed or eaten up entirely. And Mm -hmm. both kind of happen here in that like the, um, well, uh, to, return to the title of submission i forget who it is but like there's this one really funny paragraph where uh uh the narrator muses about how brilliant it is that uh ben abbas picked as his running mate this like lousy like neoliberal in real life guy um Mm -hmm. i forget who it is um some like french like neoliberal like asshole and um Mm -hmm. He's just like, wow, like, what a brilliant choice. This guy is, like, so dumb and, like, inconsequential. And it's, like, the perfect way to offset, like, this kind of, like, uh, epic-defining, like, historical moment, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, but that's, like, a gesture yeah, oh, of submission uh... by, like, the uh, kind of uh, Socialist Party, like, center-left, center-right kind of consensus, like, the technocratic consensus they end up showing submission to Islam itself by, you know, sending one of their assholes to be the running mate of Ben Abbas. And it, it marks a kind of like, a, it marks a transitional moment in the novel. 
Well, Scott just left the meeting. I hope he was not too offended by my long-winded tirade. Um, I'll see what's up with that. Okay, yeah, I forgot what point we left uh, off on. I was about... talking about how that neoliberal oh, guy became, like, the yes. running mate, and that was, like, a gesture of submission mm -hmm. by, like, that world order to the new world order mm -hmm. of, like, an Islamic Europe. Yeah, I mean, because there's there's very little, like, forward motion in a weird way. Like, it is this, like, dominant, yes, forward-moving force that is, like, in a way unstoppable but is like unstoppable in a machine sense as opposed to a deliberate sense where it's kind of like this self-determining like machine that is like doesn't have a head it is like this like decentralized force that is happening and then when you contrast that like it can be wielded in that way which is kind of i think what he's getting at like hypothetically in this book with the um muhammad i don't remember his name um but yeah i mean it's it's like uh yeah i kind of lost my train of thought i think that uh the ultimate legacy of submission in many ways might uh you know uh, imagine like reading this like 20 years from now It'll be very much like mm -hmm. of its time, which is not really a credit against a work of art um, to reflect a particular moment uh, to take mm -hmm. you back to that. But um, I think it'll be seen in some ways, or at least you could see it as a missed opportunity. Um, because I think that in the end, like the neoliberal world order might actually win against Islam in the sense that, like, they seem really good at, like, making Muslims uh, kind of assimilate after a few generations. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, our students will probably, like, uh, be more assimilated than as we knew them. Maybe not. I mean, they'd already been to public school, but, like, you know, mm -hmm. I can't imagine, like, the precocious little kid from Nigeria who uh, wanted to... Uh, go to Columbia Law School if he achieves his dreams, if any of them go on to uh, act on their ambitions not kind of becoming uh, culturally white and culturally mm -hmm. uh, you know, godless uh, capitalists mm -hmm. and uh, but nonetheless like if that is how the how fortune will proceed in the future then I think that submission will be seen as a split path, an alternative, a different possibility that could have been pursued, a different group that could have come to power. And lo and behold, like, uh, you know, if we had uh, just gone the, the way of the way of Muhammad, perhaps, uh, perhaps we could, you know, sit here recording this podcast with four wives on our side, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it, it is not so concerned with minutia that it, like, it speaks about 
large enough ideas that it does have a timeless sense where in the same way, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but like it is a dynamic that is recognizable for its like philosophical weight. Like it is not so like bogged down with like the specifics and the minutia of the contemporary like mode that it that it like will become I mean it gives you the minutia like gives you like the minutia of the elections right down to like using the names of like real French politicians which is delightful it's like the most entertaining thing about it I think is just like seeing this like uh kind of uh chess game like play out with like these characters who are also like people in the news even still Mm -hmm. um yeah, I mean, like, that. that is, I think, like, a, a unnecessary thing, and it, it is, like, a clever way to go about it because it makes it simultaneously, like, weirdly, uh, I mean, not even weirdly, it's weird because it's, like, an alternative reality type uh-huh. thing, but it is, it is, like, uh, you know, that, that makes it a very contemporary and, like, you know, if someone was to hear that, like, oh, they put, like, uh, Marie Le Pen, like, like, Welbeck, you know, wrote her into this, like, people are going to be like, oh, that's, that's pretty And they have these conversations that are kind of unflattering, too. Like, uh, uh, I remember early on, like, the professor and his Jewish student girlfriend, they're, like, talking about Marine, Marie Le Pen, and, um, or no, Marine Le Pen, and they're, he's saying, like, oh, well, you know, she's very optical, but her dad would just, like, get drunk and rant about the Jews. like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah and i think at one point they even like criticize her makeup or they're saying like they're kind of like uh doing like the level of analysis of like you know when hillary clinton tries to pander and like she changes her image to be this like grandmotherly figure like Mm -hmm. they suggest something similar about marine le pen and this like alternative reality where she like kind of like uh it is very carefully like uh cultivating her image in a way that's kind of contrived and that's all Mm. very interesting and kind of unflattering like i would love to actually uh hear the people involved address this book as well (laughs) because it's so um (laughs) i don't know like uh i would love like honestly if like the interviewer wanted to nail marine le pen instead of just being like oh uh, have you considered that your views are very racist? Like they would just have to like read the paragraph where they talk about her doing her makeup in in submission, and then be like, "So, what do you think about that?" Yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, my understanding is that like a lot of the uh, French like like political class kind of just like shooed it away. Uh, although it probably wasn't you know effective like i i don't think he's can well it was also something that that they had to like pledge allegiance to too because it's like a very uh secular culture and it came Mm. in the wake of this terrorist attack against some of the author's friends uh Mm -hmm. motivated by the ideology which is not even really criticized but like presented like bluntly with a concept of pattern recognition in the novel mm-hmm. um yeah and so i guess like the political class kind of had to defend it for that reason mm-hmm. yeah 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 there is that dynamic going on which i mean is like that is a very interesting french dynamic that's just like constantly playing out in 
fascinating ways and like the the difference between french liberalism and american liberalism and the conflicts that like the the, the amazing america like the stupid amazing uh american critiques of french liberalism and like it is like it is like a weird thing to watch like it's really and it's just constantly I happening like, I like it's constantly that, like in france like liberal is kind of a pejorative because uh the like leftists like they're on to like bigger and better things you know you go through your metallica phase when you're first getting into heavy rock but eventually you got to move on to like burzum or like uh anal cunt or something and uh similar like yeah, yeah like, that's the, the leftists, like you know they, they might you know dabble in like oh like we should like the thing is like liberalism in the american sense really has nothing to offer france because they've already achieved all of its goals so uh mm-hmm. it's like yeah. oh we need to keep our universal health care system we need to keep our work weeks like we need to uh Mm-hmm. keep our like freedom of speech and secular culture it's like well that's kind of useless so you have to and it's totally irreligious in some ways uh or rather it's an unstable religious system and so it kind of has to give way to something else and on the other side like i feel like a lot of like the uh french nationalists are probably like more like thrown in the altar types than you would see here like not to mm-hmm. that it's probably like the most like mainstream thing to like go around talking about de Maistre and like restoring the monarchy and stuff but i feel like that kind of like strand has more currency there than it does here oh of course i mean there's a there's a like a, a basis for it there like it's it's like yeah it's unthinkable here which is like you know why i'm not gonna like talk shit but like uh, it's a different it's a different landscape like that's really what it comes down to but like yeah i mean yeah i i i i'm kind of like at a loss at this point like it's been what two two and a half hours some exhausting amount of time uh, yeah this is a marathon yeah yeah a marathon for which i uh could have been better prepared, yeah honestly this was great like i think uh this is a i thought it was it, exactly it was the kind of fun, conversations yeah. i want to have here so i realized mm-hmm. like i guess it's customary when you do this kind of conversation to like summarize the book or whatever to some extent like mm-hmm. uh which we definitely didn't do but that's uh you know that's what google is for yeah that's what fucking google's for and you should have read it in 2015 which I, I, neither of us did but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm but sure anyway. I'm sure it would have been like a breath of fresh air. Uh, do you have yeah. any uh, final thoughts? Um, uh, I want to say something provocative, but I also don't. So, um, no, I don't. I have I have literally nothing to say. All right. Well. Thanks so much for coming on as a last-minute substitute. Uh, yeah, thanks for having out. me. I think this was a thing that, uh, you know, you said you wanted to have this one mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. Yeah, this was a long time like, in the making, so. Yeah, Couldn't have worked so out better. I think it worked out. It's a, yeah. a true, not return to form, but a return to the podcast in general since it's been a few weeks. And, uh, <laughs> Both. yeah, and uh, everyone... 
check out violence.cafe to see more of uh, Scott's uh, overwhelming, overpowering, uh, toxically masculine insights. Yes, indeed. And keep an eye out for... <laughs> I'm not going to say any dates or anything, but uh, what is, you know, it is the Manhattan Project of Literature that is in the works. Um, tentatively titled A Man of Consequence, which I'm I'm pretty pretty married to at this point, and I'm, uh, yeah, it'll be a good one. <laughs>